What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the O-Bridge FFL Podcast, episode 14. This is a week six recap. Got a lot of people here today. My dad's here. Uh, he's going to be talking, as always. Augie's here, not going to be talking. Matt Marola here every single time, has not said one word on the podcast yet. Yes, call him man in the business. Dylan, back from Aruba's here. Jason's in the room. Mike Gargano is here to talk today, talk about the games, talk about the teams. And, as always, Kurtzman is here. Kurtzman, before we start, do we have anything about the league that you want to say? Anything about the one-day tournament? Uh, anything at all? Um, no, I mean, just you saw the Instagram post today. Registration's open for the one-day tournament. Uh, $50 a player, cash prize over uh, $1,700. Um, and, yeah, bring your own squad and try to get right. Uh, we just got our podcast on Apple Podcasts also, so make sure you li- subscribe, five-star rating, and even leave a review if you're feeling nice. There you go, Kurtzman. Uh, with that being said, yes, we are on the Apple Podcast now. Augie put out a tweet before from the account saying we're just trying to separate the OBFFL from the other uh, things I'm doing. That's why we made its its own uh, podcast on Apple Podcasts. It has its own SoundCloud as well. So if you guys want to subscribe on Apple, you want to follow the SoundCloud, that's where all these podcasts are going to be. And any announcement that Kurtzman has with any sort of league or tournament is probably going to be coming up on here. So with that being said, let's get right into the recap. Let's get into the games. First game I wanted to start with, I watched the entire game. It was the Browns versus the Raiders. I thought it was the most interesting game of the week coming into it and proved to be true. I picked the Raiders in this game. First half, they looked phenomenal. And Bimbo and uh, Sedano being back from Italy, running the option in the first half looked kind of crazy. It looked like they were the best team in the league. I was saying I went over to the other field and I was telling my dad I think Mbimbo is the best player in the league now that he's at quarterback. I thought the Raiders could be you know the championship favorite if they came out of that game uh, playing if they if they mimicked what they did in the first half and the second half I thought that game would be a complete blowout. Kurtzman, what did you guys do? How how did the momentum swing in, in your favor? Um, in the first half, we were honestly really rattled by the option. We had They had three offensive plays and scored two touchdowns, both uh, IB runs. So I think early we really we thought we had a game plan coming in, and then as soon as we started the game, everyone was all over the place. No one knew where we had to be. Uh, at halftime, we decided we were going to start um, blitzing Mike Freeman from different points and showing four all the plays and just really trying to confuse them at the line. I think that's what really did the difference. And on offense, I think we just kept stuck to what we always did, protect and just hope that some players make plays downfield. I think the interesting thing you just brought up, Mikey Freeman, he was clearly the difference maker uh, in the second half, in my opinion. He, You put him in the box, whereas he's been playing safety for you most of the year. And we all know he was great safety in high school, you know, varsity guy. And uh, he, when you put him in the box, he started pulling flags. He was making the right reads. And after the game, when I was talking to Nick and IB about, you know, what happened, they said, well, Mikey Freeman knows what he's doing. He knows how to, you know, defend these kind of things. So big shout out to Mikey Freeman. And also, uh, I made the case to Kurtzman at halftime this game. You guys need energy because you had true subbing for the Raiders. IB was screaming. Nick was back and ready to play, screaming all over the field. They, they had complete momentum, all the energy in the world, and they were executing like crazy in that first half. And then... The only guy from your team, in my opinion, that had any sort of energy was Lorenzo. And without Chance being there, I think Chance is a huge part of your team. We've all known that, and we've all talked about how important the energy is to have in these games. And Chance brings the energy for your team, so Chance was highly missed. Will he be back next week? Yeah, I believe he's coming back. All right, so so you guys will be good when, when Chance gets back. Uh I was I really thought the Raiders were gonna win. I, I'm gonna talk about some of the things that I liked. I like Anthony Bimbo at quarterback. Uh, Corey Nuzzi made a sick play, catch, and then a little lateral to True. 
if it was tackled, True would have gotten the end zone. He made a nice spin move after, but uh, I forget who it was on your team. They pulled they pulled this flag. It was Luigi. Luigi, yes, Luigi uh, pulled his flag to stop the touchdown, but they eventually got in on that one. Or no, we, no, you get the stop. So Luigi, yeah. yeah, so Luigi so a made play. a huge play. But I thought that was a really nice play. Corey Nuzzi, obviously, if you make a lateral like that, you're an experienced flag player. Because I'm looking at, uh, I was on YouTube the other day watching, you know, some of the uh, other flag leagues, like professional flag leagues. All those guys do is lateral. So his, you know, it wasn't like he was even running in the open field. He kind of just caught the ball and immediately pitched it. So I thought that was really good, and I think he's going to be a good piece moving forward. He blocked the whole game for them as well. Uh, defensively, I thought they did a really good job in the first half. I know they had True on the team where they usually don't have, but Tyler Hogg, has been selling for them. He was getting pressure on you. Uh, TJ Engstad almost intercepted you on the first play of the game. He was right there. Uh, IB as well. Nick did a good job on Joey for most of the game. For he, Joey got his, but Nick was still making it tough. Uh, I, I really do like this Raiders team moving forward. I was really disappointed in them in the second half. I told him Bimbo, I thought you know he shot himself in the foot there in the second half. They, they, I, I know I told him they had a really questionable timeout on that second to last drive where they could have were running clock and, and they could easily put the game away. They were they had the ball the whole game. It felt like you know. Yeah, no, I mean. I think they had a lot of – they had short drives in the first half, and in the second half they were getting all the way down the field and just not punching in. They got inside the five twice and didn't score. So those are really – you put one of those touchdowns on the board, and they probably come out with a victory. Uh, I just think that my defense made plays when they had to, and the offense got moving in the second half. All right, let's get into stats on this one. I, I, I think for the next week's preview, for week seven preview, I'll talk more about where I think the Raiders stand, you know, in, like, the power rankings, I guess. Yeah. But l let's move on from this game. Let's get some stats out here. Um, Pip had seven for 75, two touchdowns. Matt Hughes, four for 50 and a touchdown. Mikey, like we said, no stats, actually, but he was the difference maker on defense. He had Absolutely. a couple tackles for losses on runs. Uh, Harness, three for 60. Antonio Rocchio had a 40-yard touchdown. And Lorenzo had a sack. Matt Hughes also had a sack. Well, I wanted I I definitely no, I I, for, I forgot to say her names. You just brought the stats up before we get into Raider stats. Big shout out to John Harnish made a bunch of plays for you. Yeah, uh, catching the ball. He had that one in the corner for that two point conversion. Or what? It, was it two point no, conversion? It was one. It was one, one for the conversion. And uh, I thought he made the play. Ref called now. It was a tough call, but John Harnish I felt like had a lot of big plays for you, and especially at the end of the game. He got you down to, what, the two, and then you eventually threw it to Joey. Joey, we know, is a beast. We don't got to spend time on him yeah. talking. He's first play of the game. He completely bailed you out. Kirschman threw a duck up. TJ Angstad should have intercepted it. And Joey, just grown man, ripped the ball out of his hands to keep possession for you guys. Uh, and Matt Hughes is might be the best lineman in the league at catching the ball. I, don't, he, I think he, he probably is. Mikey's over here saying facts. Uh, he just I feel like every time he's just – He's like a 5 for 50, catches the ball, gets 10 yards for you kind of guy. Yeah. So, big shout-out to them. Uh, and for the Raiders, IB, 8 of 16, 64 yards, one touchdown. Had five rushes, 70 yards, two touchdowns. Sedano had 5 of 51 on the ground. Nuzzi had a catch. Denoya, two-point two conversion, one PBU. Hogany had a sack. TJ Angstad had a sack and a pass breakup. True, subbing for them, had two for 16 to score. Emma Mood, one catch, 11 yards. Yeah. All right. That's uh that's it on on that one. Also, before we move off, I'm shouting Antonio out because he did have a big touchdown for you guys. Momentum. Yeah. Caught the ball on Mahmoud. It was a tough contest to grab. Good defense, and then he broke and ran. There was no one behind him, so that was another big play. Uh, let's get into the next game. The other nine, the other 10 nine o'clock game. Uh, Dad, you ref this one. 
you got to carry the load here. I did not see it. Cowboys, uh, Titans. Kurtzman did not see it. He was playing, and Mikey was currently driving from Ocean City to the games. <laughs> so he definitely didn't see it. Now, you got to carry. What was what was the takeaways from this game here? The, the game started. They exchanged the first two drives. They both scored. So it looked like it was going to be a game. Uh, Ogie wasn't there, I believe, the first two drives. Then he ended his holdout, came in, and the Cowboys just ran away with it. Um, the things that I saw, I know uh, we, were, we were talking on a podcast how Joe Piscopo's got to run a little more, and he did. He came out running. But what he's got to do, he's got to let his linemen know that he's running. Uh, I think the first play of the game, he ran, he ran into Matt. Matt was playing center. Matt had no idea that he was running right behind him. You know, let your center know. That may be a good thing. You know, push some players out of the way for you. But uh, he's got to learn how to slide into his protection. And, and another thing, watching this game, uh, Sobieski is a, a beast. He's an animal. Uh, I, I think he's the, the most talented player in this league. Okay. Uh, his his uh, The arm angles that he throws at, he's got a super quick release, and he's got a ton, ton of, 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 uh, of, of zip behind the ball. Uh, and he throws a beautiful ball. I, there was a play where uh, I'll, it, was, it was a two-point conversion. He had an unbalanced line, and he had body in motion to the opposite side. And he had a blitz right at him, and he just laid a ball up perfectly into the corner. It just floated into his receiver's hands. And there was another play where he rolled left, threw across his body, across the field, zipped it to an open man in the corner of the end zone. Uh, every week, I, and I, watching him run, watching him slide into his protection, I, I, I think he's, without a doubt, the best player. Talk about uh, the emergence of Mike Body a little bit. He's had nine touchdowns in the last three games. Why do you think it it is that way? Why do you think well, Mike Body's the guy that's when, getting? When Ogie's Ogie. holding out, you know he's got to throw to another a play. <laughs> so Body's there. Body knows how to find the open uh, the opening. I noticed that he runs. A lot of his routes are, are uh, basically uh, similar to uh, a slot receiver's route. So I I, I see him uh, taking apart a zone defense. Uh, I, I see him finding the the underbelly. Uh, you know, you got Augie and Liam on the outsides are doing the, the big damage downfield, but uh, body gets everything in between zones and underneath. And it, like, it looks like Sobes obviously has a good connection throwing it to him. Uh, that game was close early though, was it not? It was like I said, the first two possessions they both scored. So I figured, hey, we're in for a game. You know, maybe the uh, Titans figure this out. But uh, you know, just uh, the, the Cowboys just outclassed them. So you think? The Cowboys got back on track after getting blown out by Kurtzman the previous week. I, I listen. I, I said the Browns were a better team, and I, I still believe that. But the Cowboys can't be counted out as one of the, the best teams in the league. That that game wasn't an indication of the skill gap between the two teams. All right. So projecting the Titans moving forward, do you think they got better this week, or do you think they took a step back? They, they definitely got better. They moved the ball well. Uh, they did score twenty one points, and in flag, it's really not a lot, but uh, it. You know, I, I saw some sustained drives, and you know they were into the game early. All right, Kurtzman, give me some some stats on on this game right here. Let's uh let's wrap this one up. All right, uh, Sobes, 15 of 19, 211 yards, five touchdowns. Also had seven carries, 99 yards, and two touchdowns on the ground. Uh, Liam, five for 42. Um, Connor McDivitt, pick six, three for 26. Click had a touchdown catch. Mike Body, we already talked about, three catches, 97 yards, three touchdowns. Mm. Um. Augie, two catches, 40 yards, one touchdown, also had an interception. And a sack. <laughs> and a sack. Okay. For uh, the Titans, Joe Piscopo, 20 of 26, I think his best game throwing the ball, 206 yards, two touchdowns, also had five carries, 19 yards, and a touchdown. 
Um, Maroa only had one catch. I'm not going to say how many yards. Eddie, two catches, 17 yards. Spo, three catches, 30 yards, and a touchdown. And uh, I grouped all of his subs together at 12 catches for 160 yards and a touchdown. All right, so let's move on to the next game, subs. which is Mikey's. We'll go we're into Mikey's game here. We'll go Vikings versus Saints. Before the game, uh, Connor told me that this was a trap game. He said he thinks the Saints can come out and play really well today. Mikey, explain to everyone else your situation. Uh, you were in Ocean City before, before at, at what, 7 o'clock in the morning, and, and you left from Ocean City, Maryland, to come make uh, the OBFFL on Sunday. Yeah, so um, we went, me, my, my brother, my sister, we all went away and um, for our birthdays, and... I didn't want to miss the game. Me and Vinarina, we were down there, and we had a long night, Saturday night. Like, didn't go to bed till about 5 o'clock in the morning. Woke up two hours later, got in the car, trooped down here four and a half hours, and showed up at game time. Yeah, literally showed up at game time. So yeah, <laughs> it's kind of crazy that you mapped all that out. But let's get into the game itself here. Uh, you guys definitely started off slow. Uh, you were definitely hungover. Um, I think I was still drunk. <laughs> um, and the Saints had a good team this week. You said it before we started recording that they had some good subs on their team. They they were ready to play. So they definitely had a bunch of athletic kids too. You said mm-hmm. you were talking about Ryan Morks who suffered the Saints. You said you couldn't throw it over him. He was just blocking it down at the line. Yeah, I mean, he pretty much took away the middle of my field. Like, I had to throw everything outside. Mork is seven feet tall with his hands up. It's, yeah. it's impossible to get a ball over him. He swatted down, I think, three passes and then picked one off. Like, he was just... He was the biggest problem of their of their defense, and I mean they used him as a sub for I don't know who, but so yeah. you guys uh, you guys came out and before the the this weekend happened, you were texting me, calling me, saying that you're the best player in the league, you're the best quarterback, and you guys have the best team. Yeah. After this week against the Saints, do you still feel that way about all three things? A hundred percent. So I, no, nothing changes at all. I think that obviously at the two biggest, I think two of our biggest parts of the team are. Me at quarterback and Vin Arena is our nose guard who just blows up the middle and he's our best defensive lineman. Like everybody thinks it's me and Connor on the outsides, but Vin Arena does all the work on the yeah. inside. He has to get double teamed sometimes. Like he's doing all the work and we were both banged up to start the whole game, like for about 30 to 40 minutes during the whole game. So, I mean, if we come out and we're in better shape, I think that we blow out the Saints the next time, but there won't be a next time. I think that we'll be back and ready to go. So, at the end of the game, it was interesting. You guys were about to do an onside kick, which is you have one play from the 25-yard line, yeah. and you decided on basically saying, you literally said out loud, we have the best defense in the league, we're going to get the ball back. So the thinking behind that there is we're obviously going to get a stop, so you're that confident in your defense. Uh, guys on your defense, you mentioned Vin Arena. Uh, Joe Ivanak, I thought, did a really good job on Billy. Yeah, Joe Ivanak. Uh, like, I like Joe so Ivanak at, at uh, DB. Uh, you and Connor, obviously, on the line. And couple that with Vin DeCunto, who Mikey mid-game is screaming, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, why do you guys let me bring him every week? Uh, Connor Friel, who we know is a great athlete. Buster made a great play on Ed Cashley. He completely mossed Ed Cashley mossed on a fourth him. down, right? On a fourth down, yeah. You kind of just threw that one up there, I feel like. You just... Nah, dude, Connor thought it was for him, but I literally mid like, balls in the air. I'm yelling, Buster, and Connor put his hands down, and Buster mossed Ed. Yeah. <laughs> so he reached over his head and caught the ball. Yeah, it was actually did. a really nice play. It was. I think uh, Kyle's got that one on, on uh, pictures, too. So I'll find out. I, I don't know. Is. I don't know. I feel like that one, uh, Kyle or Edwin were, were there for that. I think we're going to see that, and that was a really good moment of the week. I think that would be a really cool picture. Uh, the Saints. Let's talk about them a little bit. 
Uh, I thought, how do you think Taz was at quarterback? Taz actually played pretty good. I mean, he's he's low key, he's shifty. Like he he gets away from the rush kinda, and he's fast. So I mean, he was doing a good job of avoiding us. Again, like our defensive line wasn't in his face as much as we normally are. Um, we're also missing uh, who are we missing? Zach at safety, and Zach yeah. at safety is a big part because with me and uh, with me and Connor on the line, we're missing like our safety with without Zach there. So one of us had to be on the at safety every other play, and we were switching off. So it wasn't both of us on the line. Um, I think Taz played good. I think with Augie um, as their sub, I mean he's Augie's very shifty, very quick. Like he's a very good athlete. So I think that was a good sub for them. Um, it gave him a lot more options. I mean. No, nothing against Abby, yeah. but he sits out a lot of plays, and all he was on the field every play making plays. So, I mean, he was a big impact on the team. So. Uh, you want to say something, Dan? Yeah, I felt that towards the end of the game where, you know, uh, things were heating up, that I saw uh, Tess step aside and have Augie take snaps at quarterback. Uh, I don't feel that it helps his team or helps him when he's not in there uh, when the game counts and when it matters. Um, yeah, I think that the biggest part about the Saints and, like, why they're losing late game is because – I, it's not – I don't think Taz is the reason, but the lack of Taz is the reason. He has to – I think he just needs his confidence, and he needs to He needs to be comfortable with the ball late game because if he's if he's taking those snaps, if he's making good plays, and, like, if he just has confidence in himself, they win that game. I mean, he just needs to close it out, and um, it's really just a lack of confidence. That, that's what I'm seeing. How least. do you think they get guys like Billy and Christian more involved? What, what were you doing defensively? And I know you said Billy got behind you a few times – what how, if you're Taz? If you're the quarterback of that team, how are you figuring out how to get these guys the ball? I mean, our defense plays. We play up close on the on the on the wide receivers, but a lot of teams don't. A lot of teams play at least five yards off the ball on your wide receivers. Like you got to start throwing very short routes. You got to start catching the ball and just throwing it. Catch step throw, dude. It's got to be quick. Um, I mean, line gets in your face and it just it just brings jitters. You know, like I mean. We got, we got a couple quarterbacks in the room right now. I mean, like, we, when, when the rush is in your face, like, it's different, you know? Yeah. When you have a second, when you just catch and you're not worried about the line, everything's different. You know, you got a better chance of... We're going to talk more rush. about the Saints moving forward. Dad, you wanted to say one more thing? Yeah, I'd like to see him get the Vultures receivers out in space, not so much a jump ball like everyone's telling them to when you have a smaller yeah. receiver against Billy. No, get get him out on post corner. Let, get the ball in space. Let his receivers come under the ball. Spread out, Billy. Yeah. Spread out, Billy. Billy is a weapon. I had I had Billy last year, and I traded away my first round draft pick just be, just for Billy because it was just I just thought that he was a great player. I mean, you put the ball up there, he's going to make a play. He's a very good wide receiver. Um, put him up lone side on the spread him out by himself. He's a good route runner. Like he's very fast. He's going to beat people. Just find a way to get him the ball. We're going to talk more about the Saints later when we get into the. Uh the playoff predictions or uh, format that we're about to go with here uh, that we're going to do at the end. The other game – oh, before we move on for this, Kurtzman, give me stats on this one. Taz, <clears throat> Taz, 10 of 19, 101 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Also had seven ca uh, carries, 45 yards and a touchdown. Augie caught a touchdown pass, also ran one. Billy had two catches for 40 yards. Uh, Christian, three catches for 25 yards. And Shadara, three catches, 26 yards. <laughs> For the Vikings, Mike Gargano, 16 of 25, 200 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. Also had 45 yards rushing and a touchdown. Connor Amato, another good day, 6 for 56 and a score. Connor Frail, 3 for 46 and had two big catches on the final drive because that's the only drive I saw of your game. Uh, Vin DeCunto, we talked about, 3 for 58, also had an interception. Buster, big mossing of the referee touchdown. Mm -hmm. And Vin Arena, another sack, giving him 7 on the season. Uh, I'd just like to say something about my team. Yeah, um, of course. 
I just like to shout out my team real quick because the Vikings, like our two minute drill is different. I mean, we're very good, whether it's the end of the half, end of the game. Um, they all stay poised. My linemen, they really lock it down at the end of the game. We put up the two touchdowns to win the game in the last minute 50. Yeah. So, I mean, our two minute drill, once we have timeouts and we can stop the clock and it's not running clock, um, Connor is just. He, he never played football, dude, but he has a football brain. So he's very <laughs> smart. Like, he understands the game so well. I mean, Connor Friel just loves – he loves the pressure for some reason. I don't know. He just wants it. Like, when it's late in the game, he's just – yeah. So, I mean – You I wish you had Connor at receiver when you played in high school? Connor Romano? Yeah. Yes. Come on, <laughs> dude. Yo, I lost my number one wide receiver and number one running back week two and three. Come on. Miles bro. and Tyler, I right? lost Miles and Tyler. Yeah, that's Broken true. leg and jaw. Yeah. Week two and three. I had Jake and I had Dante Whipple. Shout out, my boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, While we got Michael, let's ask him some questions. Yeah. I noticed that your team follows your lead. Yeah. Uh, I, I haven't seen that before. When when the first week, I think when you subbed for, uh, you came in for a couple of plays for for, uh, for Connor. For Connor, yeah, yeah. Um, and then they asked you if there was any kind of contra- uh, QB controversy. Absolutely not. Uh, Connor's uh, QB moving forward. And then you come in and you take over. And I watch your team, and they absolutely follow your lead. Like, when the onside uh, kick decision, you said, no, I trust that this defense were playing it this way. And there was not even a word that will follow what Mike says. Yeah. I think that's important that you have a leader like that. And he absolutely changed his team around. Before Mikey talks, I want to say something. Everything you just said is the reason why I said everyone else is a moron for letting this kid slip to the second round. I've known Mike. Last pick in the second round. I've known Mikey. We've known Mikey forever. I watched Mikey right. play in, uh, in high school. I've played mad different sports with Mikey, and I know I know the kind of you know guy he is, the kind of competitor he is, and the fact that he slipped to the second round is is just beyond me. Well, so this is a question I want to ask him. <laughs> Last year, when you played, uh, did did you play with a, a group of guys that you were used to playing with, or? Oh uh, no! Last year I played with um, it was a lot of different guys. I mean, at the beginning of the year I played with Jake, and me and Jake just butted heads a lot because. I mean, I didn't throw him the ball every play, so. <laughs> so, I mean, after that, my team was pretty good. I played with Paul Ferrelli, I played with Billy Andrews, I played with Buster, I played with Sam Allen. So, like, I have a couple kids on my team that I played with last year. So, I mean, I also had a, a couple kids on my team that I played with just, like, in other sports. Or, like, I played with them on my, ra- my actual football team in high school. So, like, there's just chemistry. I mean, like, I was the captain of the team when they were there. So, like, they get just, I don't, I don't mean to, like toot my own horn but I think that they kind of like look up to me like in a sense because I was their captain at one point you know so like it's just like a it's like a seniority thing you know right. um also Connor Romano is just as much in control of this team as I am he's not as much of a vocal but like he kind of speaks through me like he says a lot of the things like that defensive stand like to to make that decision I was still set on the outside kick he was like Mikey look at me we're gonna get this ball back in 30 seconds and we're gonna score a touchdown and win the game and I said, all right. Like, it was just me and him. And I said, all right, let's go. We're stopping him. And that was, that was how the decision was. That was exactly what he said. And I yeah. was like, all right, let's go make this stop then. Joe yeah. Ivanak looked at me and he said, yo, let's get this ball. He locked up Billy on the last drive. Taz runs across the line of scrimmage on the second play. Crossed it down. Uh, I, dude, they, they punted the ball away in 19 seconds. We got the ball back. Yeah, we just, got the ball back with a minute, 30 seconds left, and just drove down the field and won the game. So, Discipline so, and confidence. Yeah. That's, confidence. Yeah. Listen, yeah. Uh, uh, no I step leadership. on a field, I want my quarterback to be the most confident player in the field, and that's exactly what Mike is. Yeah, so you're, you're a big Mikey Gargano fan. Huge fan. You are a big fan Huge of Mikey. Fan. Uh, let's move off from this game, and let's get into the Giants versus the Jets. 
Kurtzman, I am turning it over to you on this one. I know you were refing that game. I was watching the Saints versus the Vikings, and I know that one kind of got out of hand early, so I didn't even bother switching fields. Kurtzman, I'm turning it over to you. Um, I guess what I say about the Jets-Vikings game really is just that I see the same thing every week. It's every week they come out, they look at their ready to play, I'm talking about the Jets, and they'll fall a little bit behind, they'll score one or two touchdowns, and then they'll, they just won't keep going with what momentum, what was working. You hear people saying they want the ball, that they're not getting the ball. It should be about winning. Like, I have players on my team who didn't touch the ball this week, and they were happy as hell that we won, came back and got that win. I think that just speaks to who's on your team and what's going on. But anyway, um, the Giants came out, both teams punted first, but then the Giants got a big pick six by Douglas. Um... Then they, from that moment on, it was Jack Starner, touchdown immediately, 7-7, and then the Giants just ran away with it. Uh, touchdowns by Russo, True, Damian, Rabakani played his best game in the season by far. He was making everyone miss in the backfield. Um, I really just think the Giants, once again, showed that any, people can take advantage of the Jets' lack of chemistry and lack of playing together. And... Um, yeah, I really just feel the Giants dominated this game. Douglas had two defensive touchdowns, which was the key tone setter. And I just really think the Jets never put it together. The offensive line just never puts it together. But I do want to shout out my boy Jeremy Gonzalez. Had a crazy one-handed interception uh, across the back of the end zone. Rob L was trying to tell me he was out of bounds. But, Jeremy, that was a sick catch. And I know you always wanted to shout out on this podcast, so I got you. Um, <laughs> Anything else on the Jets? Jets, you still have a chance to make the playoffs. I can't believe I'm still saying this in Week 7. Show up, play as a team, and maybe you can win a game and win another game, and that'll catapult you into the playoffs. I can't see why you wouldn't want to continue playing, continue to work to make the playoffs. One win in these last two weeks gets them in. Yeah. Yeah, it does. One one play. The Jets are not out of it. For as, as lopsided as that last game was. They literally still have a chance of yeah. making the playoffs. I don't And if show you're in the playoffs, play. anything could happen. One game, anything could happen. Yeah. No, it's really all I have to really say about this game. I mean... The Giants dominated from basically start to finish. So, all right, let's project the Giants a little bit moving forward. You got Dylan coming back, which means they lose Jake. They've had Jake Espy yeah. on their team last two games. So, Dylan comes back from Aruba, ready to play. Uh, Nick Douglas was back this week. He missed uh, two weeks ago. He played this week. And obviously, you said he was dominant, made a bunch of plays for them. Rob, we know, has had a few weeks of quarterback under his belt now. Johnny Samarco is emerging as one of the best players, best defensive players in the league. Mm-hmm. How do you think what, – what do you what do you think is looking like for them moving forward here? I mean, they're on – they got a hot momentum streak going right now. They've won two straight, let alone against the Saints and the Jets. But you got to beat the bad teams before you start beating the good teams. So they have – they're playing against the Browns this week. So they – and before they had the two-game winning streak, they started showing a lot of promise with the they, when they almost upset the Cowboys in week four. So I just think that if they keep putting this together, they could be a strong team in the playoffs. They're going to probably end up being a four or five seed, depending on how the next two weeks go. But uh, they can probably cont- compete with every team in the league by far. All right, let's get into some stats here. Uh, Rob Akani, 11 of 15, 143 yards, three touchdowns, also at 37 rushing yards. True, two catches, 37 yards, and a touchdown. Russo, three catches, 46 yards, and a touchdown. Giants DeMarco, 25 yards receiving, also at a sack. Douglas, fumble recovery for touchdown, and a pick six. And Damian also had his first touchdown of the season. Uh, for the Jets, Paul, 9 of 14, 140 yards, two touchdowns. Wiz caught a touchdown. Jack Starner caught a touchdown, had 63 yards. Matt Short. 30-yard catch, Pete, three catches, 20 yards, and Jeremy Gonzalez, like I said before, big interception. All right, let's uh, move on to the next part of the podcast that I wanted to talk about a little bit today because we're at 26 minutes here. We, we got another, like, 10 minutes on this. Uh, let's talk about the playoffs now. With the playoffs approaching, next week you will be playing who you have not played yet. 
Yeah, everyone. This week's the last week of you'll play everyone. You you'll play everyone after this week. So this so the only team you have not played yet that is who you'll be playing in this uh, upcoming week, week seven. Yes. Week eight is going to be what, Kurtzman? Um, I'm gonna flex the schedule so that you play against the team that you're fighting with for a a better playoff seed. So like or if, to get into the playoffs. or to get into the playoffs. So like the six versus seven will probably be a matchup. The four versus the five, uh, either the three two or the two one, depending on what happens in week seven. I'll figure it out, and I'm basically going to give everyone a chance to further your seed up one spot possibly in week eight so what are the tiebreakers looking like give me the the tiebreaker starting from if you tie with the team how do you determine who gets the higher seed so the tiebreakers will go like this first it will be head-to-head obviously if head-to-head was one-to-one we'll go by point differential if your point differential is somehow tied you'll go by points scored and if we're still at a standstill it'll just be a coin flip so the the question coming up here is this: You have the Saints playing the Titans this week. Assume, let's just assume, let's just break it down like this. Assume the Saints win. Now they have one. They have one win. Titans have one win. Assume the Jets lose Week Seven. They have one win. How is it going? What's the three-way tiebreaker? How how are we? So that'll be Week Eight. How are we going to decide who plays Week that Week Eight matchup to get into the playoffs between the Jets, the Titans, and the Saints. So essentially, I would just do the standings after week seven. And if you're the eight seed after week seven, you're the odd man out in terms of who's going to play who on top, like who's right ahead of them in the standings to further your seed. So if you're the eight seed after week seven, the seven will play the six seed for that final play. And you spot. just said that's, that you'll be the eight It'll seed be because the you have the lowest, lowest point. The lowest point. Sure. It'll still go the, based on the same rules I just said in order. It was to be head to head, which you guys will all beat in each other. And there'll be point differential, point scored, and coin flip. Okay. All right. Uh, that's really it for the, the playoff. Uh, Kurtzman's going to flex the schedule. So week eight is going to be super meaningful. Not Week seven is still super meaningful. Yeah, the Vikings playing yeah. the Cowboys this week. Yeah, but we'll get into that yeah, for the preview. Yeah, I'm just we'll saying there's still we'll meaningful games going on. All right. Let's get into Tommy Savaro's Dogs of the Week. I said we, he wanted to do it last week, so I'm going to let him give out his week five Dog of the Week, Dogs of the Week, as well as week six Dogs of the Week. When, when we get the studio, right? We're gonna have like dogs of the weekend. <laughs> Something stupid. We're gonna have we're gonna have some soundboard effect. But let's get into the dogs of the week. All right, from uh, two games ago, uh, for the Raiders, we're gonna go. Mahmoud had a pick six. A lot mean, of energy. A lot of energy. I mean, every week he comes, he brings it, and and uh, I love seeing him play. Uh, for the Vikings, Sam Allen. Uh, Sam Allen quietly uh, is a quiet assassin. I noticed on a play where he didn't wasn't in on an extra point and uh, they missed the conversion and Mike went over to uh, Sam he goes why weren't you in on that don't ever do that again so it, it just shows you how valuable he is to their team uh, John Samarco had a great game uh, for um, for the Giants uh, defensively wreaking havoc uh, offensively catching the ball and 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 just n- never never stopping his legs from moving always plays to the whistle I, I love Johnny I love the energy he brings uh, this week's game. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, for the Vikings, I, I want to mention uh, Joe Ivanak. I thought he did a great job on Billy, but my dog for this game is Vin Picanto. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, he does it all. Plays the line, leaks out, catches balls, uh, uh, moves with the ball. Uh, love him. I'd love to see him play for the rest of the year, not just as a fill-in. And Vin Picanto, we didn't mention it yet, he had a sick deflection at the line. It was almost the one-handed, yeah, one-handed Odell, Odell catch, yeah. at, the, at the line. That He almost brought that down. That It would have been sick. And Connor almost had one of those, too. Yeah, well, Connor, you expect yeah, that. Yeah. That's a rebound for Connor. 
Uh, for the Cowboys, uh, Kalik, their center, uh, snapping the ball is so important. Yeah. Uh, getting the ball to the quarterback uh, and the way he works, uh, uh, the way uh, that um, that Sobes reads him and his blocking, I, I think he did a, 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 a fantastic job. And, you, don't, you know, centers don't get a lot of uh, pub here, but uh, I watched the game and I, I was impressed with Kalik. And uh, lastly, I caught the end of the Browns game. And just for the record, when they told me the halftime score, I, I said, there's no way in the world the Browns lose this game. And they came back and they won because I picked them to win. Of course they won. But uh, watching the end of that game, Lorenzo. Lorenzo brings a lot of energy. And he was the target of a lot of verbal ab abuse and just rolled with it, played his game. When they needed the defensive stops, he, he was right there. He, he was a big part of that win this week. All right, there's your dogs of the week. I like that segment. I really do. Let's get into the overreaction Monday threads that Augie's going to be posting on Twitter as this podcast comes out. The first one that we're going to get into here, let's go, is Dylan Charest a cancer to his team? They go on a two-game win streak without him. Do we think Dylan, you know, bringing him back and losing Jake now, uh, does that hurt or help the Giants, Kurtzman? Um. I think it's about the same. I mean, Dylan brings it on both sides of the ball. I think uh, Jake was uh, getting a little upset because his corner kept blitzing off of him and Rob was going the other way away from the blitz. So I feel like he felt like he could have made a bigger impact in the, uh, the second game that he played for the Giants. Uh, I think it was just a scheduling luck in terms of who they played when Dylan went away and who they weren't playing when, they, when he was there. So I think it's a little bit of an overreaction. I don't think he's a cancer to the team. I'll go the opposite route here. Dylan is absolutely a cancer to their team. Uh, someone who comes in, demands the ball, uh, ego, you know, kid's been in the gym, looks like he's on 10 pounds of steroids. Uh, he's just he's just someone that you don't want to play with on your team at this point, I think. Uh, the Giants felt like, you know, you know, a weight lifted off their shoulders in these last two weeks without Dylan out there. And he said, oh, now we could throw the ball to him. We could do this. We could do that. But Dylan in, in the huddle is like Terrell Owens, you know, just... That, that's just the route. That's the kind of vibes I'm getting from Dylan over here. You think? Now that he just left early. He just left the podcast early, so you got to talk shit about him because he didn't know that we said this because he was here, but then he left early, so <laughs> we'll get these jokes off without him here. Uh, next, Brown are the Browns human? Is that the, the overreaction here? The Browns struggled against the Raiders like we talked about. Does this show? Does this game show that the Browns could easily be beaten if you play a complete game? Kurtzman. Uh, I think it's obviously possible to be any team, but I think we just had a really slow first half. Like you said, Chance wasn't there, wasn't bringing the crazy energy. Uh, I think that if we have our full squad there, we're very tough to beat, but like I said, anyone could be on any given day. Uh, I'm going to go with that this is better for the Browns. I'm going I'm to say that this showed more why, more of a reason why they're the best team in the league. Down 21-6 at half, had absolutely no energy, dead in the water. I thought the game was completely over. And they come out in the second half, adjustments, win. Kurtzman, again, looks like a genius. And the rest of his team look like, they all look like a, a bunch of geniuses the way that they figured that option out, which I didn't think was going to happen in that game. So I'm going to go with the Browns. Looked really good this week. Uh, Mikey, I'm bringing you in on this one right here. Are the Vikings' offensive struggles against the Saints an indicator of things to go forward? Is that an overreaction, or are you saying you guys are going to be fine? Uh, that's a complete overreaction. I think that we're going to be perfectly fine going forward. The Cowboys better be ready for us on Sunday. That's all I'm saying. All right. Augie's yeah, over here. Quarterback. Augie's <laughs> playing quarterback next week. We're going to talk about that a little bit in the uh, in the preview of next week. Kurtzman, you got one on this? Do you think the Vikings offense is going to continue to struggle? No, I just think Mikey was drunk the whole first half. 
I'm gonna go with Mikey was absolutely hammered in the, in the first half. Uh, he definitely didn't drive. He definitely didn't drive. Uh, he at, at one point in the first half, it's a, it's it's fourth down. Like it's first down, second down, third down, then fourth down. Mikey is like it's not second down when they when they're on they're on the goal line, and he literally looks at his team and goes, "All right, apparently it's fourth down, guys," and then proceeds to throw a touchdown to Buster the next play. So. Uh, I'm gonna go with Mikey was hammered in the first half, and and they will they'll clean it up a little bit next week. Connor said this was a trap game, and it proved to be true. Uh, next one, are the Raiders the worst second half playoff team? So th- they're the worst team in the second half out of the teams that are currently in the playoffs. Do we think that's an overreaction against about what happened to you, Kurtzman, or do we think that's true? Um, I don't have much other evidence really other than this past week. Uh. They definitely didn't make an adjustment to the adjustment that I made against them. So I think that at the moment, they definitely could be one of the worst second half teams. But I think it's just the one collapse that possibly makes this. I thing. don't know why you're saying this because we both watched the Titans versus Raiders. They didn't score one point until oh, yeah. the very end in that game as well. Very Mikey, true. you want to get in here? Um, yeah, against us, I think they only put up one more one score in the second half. They were they were neck and neck with us the whole first half. We were only up by one point and. I think we ended up winning by like three scores. Yeah. So yeah. yeah so this, maybe there is evidence I don't think of this them is, being I don't bad. think this is an overreaction. I think that they, um, a lot of them just get tired. A lot of them stop playing. They like if they start falling behind, they they start feeling sorry for themselves. I, I think you know a lot of the people on the Raiders hit the jewel. I think that in the second half of these games, they're they're run, they're running out of energy here. They're running out of gas and. Uh, I was so disappointed. I, I've talked to IB about it like on three separate occasions already. I think they could be the best team in the league if they just put together a full game. Three weeks in against on on the turf against the Vikings, they they put up a dud in the second half. Then against the Titans, even though they got the win in that game, they dudded in the second half and took a great throw from IB to win. And then uh, this week, a 21-6, and then they scored zero points in the second half. So right now, I do think that they are the worst second-half team out of all of the – uh, playoff teams, but is easily fixable, and I think they will fix it. Uh, that that's gonna be it for for this one. We've been in here for a while. It's really hot in here. Before we before we get out of here, uh, as always, Kurtzman, any closing statements on the league? Quick message: um, If Tommy or someone else is doing the line of scrimmage refereeing, they are allowed to make calls also as they see them fit. I know there was a little bit of a controversy at the end of my game. Um, obviously, we gave the I gave the Raiders the call and told them to continue playing. But if Tommy or if Noah Torino, if someone is doing the line of scrimmage and I trust them to do the time, they are on the game also refereeing. We need all we need as many eyes as possible, but not the crowd. The crowd is not making the call. The person who is on the line of scrimmage is making the call. So let's respect the person who's doing the line of scrimmage. Yes, I'm going to reiterate that one more time. When when my dad makes the calls, everyone in this league respects the call. When he does the line, he always does Ed's catch in these games. You do both. My dad and Ed are like a duo. They're, they're friends. In, they're like friends outside of this. So he helps Ed do the game because after week one, Ed and Bill, the refs, told us we need more guys. So after week one, my dad now does every game and he does the line in Ed's games. Now Noah Torino did the line in the other game. He was doing the clock. He was doing stats for most of the game. If Noah Torino makes a call, it's his call. If Paul Ferrelli or if Mikey, because Mikey and Paul are two guys that always do stats or always do time, if they are on the line, they can make the call. Kurtzman has added them. They're, they are an extra ref in the game. The crowd can't make the call, but the person doing the clock or stats and they're involved in the game, they can make the call and they can help the referees out. Just a, a note that the sideline ref has got everything from the line of scrimmage back 
and and the uh, field referee has everything line of scrimmage uh, into the Forward. secondary. Yeah, so just just the backfield and the line of scrimmage. That's all the the extra refs, quote unquote. Yes. That's all they're doing. Anything else? No, but the playoffs are close, and I'm super excited. Week seven is going to have some good matchups: uh, Browns, Giants, and Vikings, Cowboys. Just to highlight a few, so it should be another good week. Coming preview up. coming Wednesday night. Yes, Wednesday night preview. Uh, or maybe. One day tournament link out now. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Follow the SoundCloud as always. We'll catch you guys next time for the preview. Really good week. Really good week uh, six here. Really no problems. It, it was really good. No, I got one more thing. Uh, Brianna texted me and asked me if I could plug her uh, her podcast. <laughs> yeah. So you want to go plug it real quick? Yeah, yeah me and Brianna also got our own podcast on Apple Podcasts, uh, the Brian Teach Podcast. If you want to. Laugh at me and hear a bunch of things. It's honestly, I'm out there. I'm like a, a love guru, love doctor on there. Uh, it's actually some pretty good content. And I'm going <laughs> to vlog when I go to Aruba. So follow that on Apple Podcasts, on all my social medias. I got all these links everywhere. We'll catch you guys next time for the preview.